Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Talking Tennis, WTA Weekly, filling in for Nick. My name is Jakub Bobro, joining me is James, tennis renter. How are you doing Hi, today, James? I am pretty good. It's, uh, you know, now had a full, uh, a full one week gap now between Wimbledon and uh uh, and this sort of, and this sort of week, but of course, you know the tennis world never stops. You know it doesn't matter if you have a final finishing on a Sunday. Usually, eight nine hours later, on a Monday morning somewhere, you get another sort. You get more tournaments that sort of kick off um, on their on their wake. And of course, that no, no difference. No difference this week as well. Yeah, I mean the circus always keeps on going. Our our little tennis circus that we have. <laughs> um usually the the week after slam it feels a bit dead but this week was anything uh but that with you know a very exciting tournament in palermo and a more controversial one maybe in <laughs> in budapest where would you like to start uh let's start with let's go palermo just because it's it's a beautiful location um uh on the on the island of sicily and also was a bit of a I used the word hell mouth in terms of a as a term for the heat. Um, as a lot of people may be aware in Europe at the moment, and mainly when it comes to Central Europe, I say Central Europe, like Southern Europe, like the Mediterranean type areas. Unfortunately, not where I am in the UK. I'm at the end of it, which means that we've got rain, 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 and more rain than we could possibly ever imagine. But in uh, areas in uh, areas in Italy, areas in Spain, uh, in Greece as well, Greece is having some terrible problems with some wildfires at the moment. There is it is incredibly hot, high thirties most of the days, low forties um, at its absolute peak, and and there was no difference for Palermo because you know it being on the most southern tip of Italy, uh, meaning that they well traditionally they played their matches quite late in the evening um, anyway, um, just because of the heat that usually transpires there in July. But they particularly were very well, um, very hard hit in terms of the heat. Um, I mean, when they were playing even up until midnight, it was still 
30 degrees odd uh, in terms yeah. of temperature. And, of course, um, the champion, we have what is a beautiful trophy, I, m I must admit. I mean, that, that is what I like to call a proper trophy, proper silverware that you'll yeah. actually want to display, not some weird little, you know, not some weird little plasticky thing of the um, the name of the venue or, you know, some sort of glass bowl or something you want to put flowers in. Something proper with some handles, bit of silverware you're actually put up on your display cabinet that Quinn Win Zheng picked up, which, of course, is her first title on the WTA tour, um, which I when I first when I first heard that, I was utterly surprised about hearing that this was our first main tour title. Yeah, I mean, we had two maiden title winners, very, very different maiden title winners, with one where uh, most people haven't heard of her at all, and, and uh, Zheng Qinwen, who has been um, a, a stalwart of the tour, a, a, a dangerous player uh, when you look at her at slams. Mm. But yeah, her, her previous biggest title was Valencia, 125, mm. uh, from last June. She entered the tournament with a bang, with a double bagel of Sara Erani. <laughs> uh, to kick off uh, after that, a bit of trouble against Diane Perry to win 6 3 in the third, took out Emma Navarro 6 4 6 2. Uh, Maya Sheriff was an interesting match, which she won 6 1 in the third, uh, and she took, a, she took a medical timeout for her left leg actually during, during that second set. Mm. And of course, Sheriff is such a difficult player to play against on clay. Um, she, she really like, like those high lifted balls are, are not comfortable for. As well at winning 250 titles on the clay in weird parts of the seasons. Um, I think the most notable was, uh, was the Palmer title from October. Yeah, uh, and then into the final she went, beating Jasmine Pauline 6-4-1-6-6-1. Yeah, just like a really, really solid run. Took care of business despite not being at her at her physical best. Mm. Uh, which which win sort of impressed you the, the most from, from Zheng this week? I would have to say probably the final, just 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 because of you know the, the opponent being Italian in an Italian in an Italian um, uh, in, in an Italian tournament, and of course Jasmine Paolini in the last round beat Dyrick Azakina um, to um, get 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 into the uh, into the final. I just want to make sure I absolutely have got that right there. Uh, but quarterfinals, but yeah, quarterfinals, not semis, quarterfinals, because uh, because Dyrick, of course, was the the one WTA top 10 player that's allowed to play um, in mm -hmm. uh, in a 250 tournament and she got the win in three sets against her and then of course beat Sara Cerebus Tormo uh, in straight sets after that, somebody who I thought was actually going to go on and win the title with Sara Cerebus given her, uh, her traditions on the surface and the fact that she seems to be coming she seems to come back really well now from her injury from, from the injury that she did have but so, so for me, that final is probably the best best win out of her. You know, the entire crowd that were there were against her, um, well, against her just because they really, really wanted the Italian to have actually won. And you know, in the end, you know, was able to actually come. You know, okay, first set was 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 fairly fairly close, like you'd expect with a six four set. But then, of course, Paolini came on and came on like a storm in the second with the six one and really carried the momentum in that final. And it would have been very easy, especially given the fact that it was a very long. Uh, bathroom break, I think, from both players um, for that for that momentum to stay with Paulini, or at least that pressure to stay with Paulini. But Quinn uh, Quinwen just found uh, found another level at that critical point and basically steamrolled the final set, um, you know, which and helped to to be able to pick up that that gorgeous trophy that we can see at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the fact that she did it both semis and the final that that six one third set uh, that that was very impressive to me. Hmm. Um, and of course, I mean, solidifies herself as like a really, really solid clay player. 
things didn't go her way on on grass at all. But uh, yeah, she's showing hard courts clay. You need to watch out for for Zheng Qinwen. Hmm. And it's just really critical around about this point of the season, um, going into the US hardcore swing, to be able to get those matches, first of all. I know it's on a different surface, but it's still, you know, and then we'll get onto it when, when we talk about Warsaw and the, and the and the problems, I would say, that, that currently exist with the WCA calendar with the amount of, amount of events that are going to be taking place um, between now and the US Open. But, you know, to be able to get that title, get that confidence, and then, you know, to then go into the US hardcore swing, you know, with that, with that positivity will do her very well. Yeah, uh, and as for Paolini, her third WTA final, she won Portoroz back in 2021, uh, mm-hmm. lost Cluj last year, but surprisingly enough, her first or, or, or her biggest final on, on clay, of course, she made uh, finals and won titles on the on the 125 level, mm-hmm. uh, beat Aranj Karuz 6-2 in the third, Diana Estremska 6-2 in the third, took out, as you said, Daria Kasatina, beat Sarasori Bestormo in what was a great, great contest in the first set. I think the first set was something like 80 minutes. Mm. Uh, like, it was it was really incredible. But, um, yeah, then there, there they came, then there came the, the first break in the second set where uh, it was, it was, bas- it was like an approach shot for, for Paolini, a, a swing volley, which um, she hit, like, off, off of the tape, and it, and it looked like it was going to go out uh, and, and landed just right on the line. And I think that really just broke Saribestormo's spirit. She didn't have anything else left in the tournament. Uh, but yeah, really huge for, for the event to have an Italian player going all the way. What did you mm. think of Paolini this week? It just it just really helps with the uh uh you know with, with the story and the ability to actually um, hold 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 a more well, hold an interest certainly from local fans that probably would have only followed it for a you know a local you know Italian based um athlete. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly both players very, you know, very good week. You know, like I said, been able to survive the heat that that, that was that was taking place there. Um, and yeah, for Quinn to come out on top now with her first ever title. Yeah, uh, we also had Daria Kazatkina here. She she mm. had some comments about WTA uh, two fifty top ten rules. Of course, don't exist on the men's side. Uh, as we said, as, as we saw with with two top ten men's players in 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 the final of a of a two fifty last week, um, yeah. Do do you think that there's any excuse for the WTA to have these limitations that they put on their players that they wish to even further increase going forward? I I I, I do struggle to see why that why this rule is is in, is in place. I mean, like the only <laughs> argument I could see is the fact that they want to ensure that. These two fifties could be used mainly by those players that are ranked, you know, thirty, you know, hundred, you know, hundred and thirty in the world to be able to then get some points, get some matches. But the issue is, is that you know a lot of the a lot of the event of events that top ten players can get into, there are only five hundreds and up, and there's very limited numbers of them. And as we've seen with many events that are taking place in the last year, they are absolutely chocker blocked for the you know top twenty players that this is the only real tournament that they can play. Um, and to an to an extent where you know you know those players aren't getting enough matches, they then end up dropping out and losing form. And and you know I think the key thing that Kazakina did mention in in a because I think it was a part of her girlfriend's um, blog or vlog that they were doing mm-hmm. um, was 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 about the how it helps support a local event. Now you know when we look at the um, if you look at what happened in Borstad um, on the men's on the men's side, you know you get two top ten players both. Playing the top, playing the actual event, but then also getting to the final, the 
the ability for that that event that event and that area to bring in a lot of visitors to bring in a lot of people into the stands because it was such a high quality lineup and what ended up being at least the first set being a high quality match you know that really helps a, lo a local tournament we see a lot of 250s that you know and i've been to a few a few of them in europe which really heavily you know at least on the on the on the men's side really push the top 10 players that they have in the field um as part of their local advertising and campaigning uh and you're only able to on the wta side of things to be able to have one top 10 player and then the next person you're going to have is probably going to rank 30 or 40 in the world it is incredibly hard to gain interest in that event um from locals and locals in the area unless you're going to guarantee that you're going to get a boat ton of people from that country that are going to go to the event i mean i know um, you know, the, the positive from Nottingham, which was an event um, on, on the grass circuit, was that there was so many British players that were taking place in that event that there was able to get a lot of interest in in that event throughout the throughout the tournament. Whereas, you know, you know, if you didn't, if you weren't able to, you know, get that as a tournament. Say you were, you know, a lot of your players were ranked a lot lower in the world, and it was going to be very hard to get them into these events. Then, you know, if you're only going to have one top ten player. If that, you're not going to be able to really attract a lot of people to come into the come into your sort of turnstiles to actually see the tennis that you're trying to put on. Yeah, uh, I, I saw Ghosty in the chat asking what the what the difference in the rules actually is. Uh, so a WTA 250 is only allowed to have one top ten player, and then the top ten players on the WTA are only allowed to play a total of two 250s per season. Uh, so I remember, for example, Petra, uh, Petra Kvitova when uh, WTA Prague or, or, or when Prague finally got a WTA event after being one of like the most popular ITFs uh, on on the tour, uh, she actually couldn't play that event because she had already signed previous contracts with other 250s, which meant that she was unable to to go and play a third uh, 250. So she couldn't play her home event for like the first I don't know how many years. Uh, it just really seems like they're shooting themselves in the in the foot for no, they're no also clamp, they're also clamping down on it now even further with the new rules that are going to get into put into place because yeah. you're only allowed like you say two 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 times you're allowed to go into a 250 under the new rules but it's not even any, any 250 you either got to prove that there isn't uh, there isn't any other either 500 or above events happening in the same week you also got to you all if there is a 500 event taking place in the same week you can only play a 250 if you're a resident of that country where that event is taking place or home like a homegrown player or um you are the previous champion at that that, that event so that you know you know at least the defending champion from the previous year so if you won it two years ago and you're a top 10 player you're not able to enter it and if it's not in your home country and that just seems like a further you know, further, you know, strong stranglehold being placed against these two two fifties, especially on the women's side, where they're not going to be able to attract those top players because of it. Yeah, I mean, it it just makes no sense to me at all um, for for the tour that is financially weaker to even further weaken themselves in their events. Mm. Um, yeah, just doesn't make sense at all. Um, yeah, Ghosty was asking if it was well attended. It, it looked pretty well attended, partially probably thanks to Paolini, mm -hmm. uh, making it all the way to the final, kept the, kept the interest up for for locals. Um, yeah, what, what do you sort of think of this concept of like a nighttime event where, of course, it is due to the heat that they can't that they can't play during the day. Uh, mm -hmm. But do you sort of like it having having play start at like five pm and go into well past midnight? I thought the idea of more matches taking place past five pm. Maybe not having matches that go all the way till midnight, one one two o'clock in the morning in a local area. That is too that is too late, um, especially for a lot of fans that will be in the stadium. 
Um, <clears throat> of course, the, the, way, the way around it is that is to have as many stadium courts as possible in action, but then that would mean... Um, uh, that would mean, you know, making sure that they're properly, you know, standard, you know, the, the facilities at, the, at each of those courts is sufficient to be able to then attract people in to be able to bring a you crowd. You have to have lights at every court that's Lights, seats, seating, potential, you know, other means such as loos, you know, food eateries around there. Um, I mean, uh, you know, you're in a situation, you'd be in a situation there where you'd probably only be able to put maybe two matches on at a time. But it seems to be something that works for this event at the moment. I know they at the earliest they start is three o'clock in the afternoon when there's still a little bit of, or three four o'clock in the afternoon, and then they run their way through on there. Um, I, I just think it, you know to be able to have this good balance, have this balancing act, you need to make sure that you know. Okay, you, you cannot help it. You're going to get a three-hour epic taking place in, in your schedule, but generally you can expect a match to take two hours around about. Um, so then you can you can time for that effectively, where you could get it finished by eleven o'clock at the latest. And if you do have a three-hour match, and it just that's just one of those things that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Anything else we want to talk about from Palermo, or do you want to move on to Budapest? Let's move all the way over to Budapest. Yeah, uh, in Budapest we had also a, a, a maiden title winner on the WTA. This time it was lucky loser Maria Timofeeva, 19 years old, mm. going all the way beating Katerina Bindel, formerly Kozlova, 6-3, 3-6-6-love in the final. Mm. Timofeeva started in, in, in qualifying, of course, uh, beat Ulrika Ekeri and then lost to Anna Siskova uh, in the third set tiebreaker, who had never been inside the, the top 250, I don't think even. Mm. Uh, but then gets the second chance, comes back from a sit-down against Daria Saddle, destroys uh, Schneider, 6-1, 6-1, come back, comes back from a sit-down against Jovan, uh, beats Podoroska in three sets, which I did not see coming. I thought Podoroska was going to win mm. the whole tournament. Um, and then, yeah, beats Bindel in the in the final. Her previous biggest title was the W40 uh, from Monastir. Mm. What a week from, from Timofeya. What, what, what did you think of her? It's absolute bizarre, bizarrity. Just you know, like you said, I've never heard of her until this week. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because she, she has been so so low down in the rankings to be able to then, you know, okay, losing qualifying and then come back and then to be able to really put in a, a strong performance here. Um, you know, it's really really commendable, commendable by the nineteen year old. Clearly, clearly a really good talent uh, and somebody who's really waiting to try and you know show you know put herself onto the big stage uh, and was able to use. Um, use a re- relatively small tournament to be able to then actually, you know, uh, still with a lot of points uh, to be able to be able to actually um, to go about doing it. And of course, she was kind of lucky by the fact that a lot of the a lot of the big names in the tournament, you know, I, I kind of expected up um, uh, Bernarda Pera to um, to actually defend her title from last year. Uh, that mm-hmm. didn't that didn't happen. Um, you know, because Bernardo being so good on the on the on the clay, um, but you know, it's it's a really good win for the 19 year old. Um, as we can see, she rises a huge amount of places to 129 in the rankings. Um, it kind of really really shows that even if you are ranked 250 in the world, you don't really go up that high if you win the 250 even on the women's circuit. It just shows how many points a lot of the women's uh, a lot of people in the women's game do have. Um, uh, um, on that on on that one there, yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm immensely impressed by her. Um, you know, in that final, she was able to really, you know, compose herself from you know from losing this losing a quite a tight second set again, similar to Quinn in the uh, in the Palermo final, and then really just to romp home and, and really seize the momentum at the start of the set at the third set to take a six love. I mean, that's that's, that's a fun thing of an ending. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bindle didn't look um, fully fit to me in in that deciding set, uh, but still, I mean, an, an incredible way to to hold her composure. Halves her ranking basically moves up 117 spots, number 129 now. Uh, so she's going to be in slam qualifying. She's she's going to be quite close to to making it into slam main draws if she keeps up this sort of level. Um, potential wise, I don't think that she's like the highest mm. uh, potential player that I've that I've seen out there. Or, or I mean, from even from the current Russian up and coming generation. Uh, but she has shown that she has poor level game and and she can easily be top fifty uh, for sure. Mm. I mean, a lot of the. Uh... Uh, you know, uh, uh, like the Russian and Czech players, you know, especially on the women's side, tend to be very good at being able to, like, you know, at least their, their federations are very good at being able to put together a lot of highly talented individuals um, that they can, they can get, they can make their way to the top, into the into the top one hundred, as she's probably on track to doing. The only unfortunate thing, of course, is um, is, is that she's not going to be able to make much advantage of, of this new ranking because all the entry lists for all the major events up until the US Open are now out, and of course she was only two hundred and fifty odd in the world. Um, when um, she's only 250 odd in the world, when those uh, those lists got released, she may be lucky enough to be able to sneak into qualifying for the US Open. Um, you know, if a few dropouts do take place, um, and of course at that point she would also rock it up to be a seed in a seed in that, um, or looks like she would be a seed in that in, in that bit there. But unfortunately, it's, she's gonna, only going to be able to make use of this after after the US Open, and of course the number of events after the US Open do diminish quite dramatically. It feels like, or at least they're going to be quite hard to get into because they're quite big events, you know, thousands, five hundreds. Yeah, I mean I, I I think we're going to see her mostly on the ITFs for the for the rest of the year at least. But um if she's going to do good work there, she's going to go to Australia in next next season and she's going to get to play out like a full full WTA schedule next year. So hmm. uh it's it's still a huge, huge slip up for for Timo Feba. As for Bindle, this was only her second WTA final, which was a bit of a shock to me. She's been around for, for such a long time, mm. uh, being 29, 29 years old. I mean, I remember seeing her live when I was like 13 uh, <laughs> or something. Uh, so I was quite surprised. But yeah, she had a bit of an easier road, uh, beating Natalia Sabanin first. Uh, she, she beat three Hungarian wildcards in a row. First Sabanin, uh, then of course, uh, Amarisa Kierato, who we're going to get to later 6361 Fanny Stolar who had a great great tournament uh she beat her 7663 and then Claire Liu 7576 up 23 spots number 77 uh were you surprised that Bindle wasn't able to win this final or just surprised by this run in general um I, I would have had Bindle to win it just because it is a final and you know she is the more experienced player but you know Unfortunately, you know, although we're starting to see more, we see a significant increase in stability at the top of the women's game. When it comes to, you know, when it comes to players, you know, rank fifty or below, we still get a lot of these bizarre results that seem to seem to still pop up, uh, and this seems to be another another one of those. Um, but yeah, Bindle did very well um, to be able to get to get through to the final. She picks up a good chunk of, chunk of points now, well within the world's top one hundred, um, be able to get herself placed into there. So not too bad. Yeah, uh, so I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's time we discuss the whole uh, Zhang Shui, Amarisa mm. Tov uh, situation. Um, yeah, so first we had this video sur- uh, sort of circulate around Twitter, uh, which was I mean, like like I get how it was misleading because in in the actual situation, 
uh, the umpire came, came down to, to check the mark after after Zhang Choi asked for it to be checked. Mm-hmm. It um, seemed pretty clearly uh, to be. I what was 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 it that she was appealing for it to be to be out or or in? Um, it's a bit hard because I've seen two videos from um, from that exact match. Oh, okay. There's there's one uh, there's one ball that was checked at fifteen fifteen in that service game, and then there yeah. was another that Shang wanted to get checked at thirty thirty. Um, so I I from my, my from my look at it, I could hear on the video where where, where it was where Shang really did lose it at that point in terms of um uh, in terms of being frustrated with her opponent. Um, was that um the opponent top went over, started to walk over towards the mark and Sheng was shouting, please, wait, 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 I want it to be checked, I want it to be checked. And um, Toff didn't stop, but just basically went and walked straight over it. So that was the mark from 15 all that had already been checked by the umpire, though. And the umpire, I mean, puzzlingly ruled it to be to be out, even though it did seem to be in. And I think she wanted to sort of have a closer look herself after the game was over, maybe during the changeover or something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like the the umpire was sort of puzzling to me in in general, uh, in in the whole situation. Both, hmm. um, yeah, erasing the mark was entirely unnecessary, and then of course it it, it got the it got the crowd riled up, which hmm. which eventually led to Zhang Shui having a panic attack. And mm-hmm. and retiring from the match, um, which yeah, I mean, it it, it it is just wild to me that she still shook hands with both the umpire and Toth after, but it just shows you what what type of a character she is, and and, and why she is so beloved among among the players on on the WTA tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really, just an unfortunate situation that led to then. I mean, it's, it felt like everybody descended upon upon <laughs> Marisa Toth. You had uh, Daria Savile, you had Maria Sakari, you had you had like a bunch of different former and, and current players uh, commenting on the situation. Uh, eventually, we got uh, like a, an, a, an apology video from from Toth. But yeah, what, what did you sort of make of of all of it and just how big it it became? Uh, I think it shows some of the issues with not with the use of non-technology in 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 the sport. I think if it was, I think I think if there was um you know some form of some form of Fox Ten or or Hawkeye system that was in play in Hungary, this this situation wouldn't have occurred because that would have been that would have cleared up the situation at, at no end. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunately part and parcel of the of the of clay court tennis, which is. Marks get left on the court. Players want to check, want to check marks to see if they are in or out. You know, shows the, you know the the fine position, the, the fine you know two you know hair. What trying to think of like hair hair's breadth um, size of, of of a lot of these decisions of ins and outs. Um, I think Toff should have done better in terms of not going over to actually cross out the mark completely. It did seem like a little bit of a, a bit of an unnecessary. Um, angst almost that she was trying to cause or at least like this is gone now i'm gonna knock it off um, yeah, yeah i mean like she, she was like shouting in her like like stop making problems or or yeah. something after it, it was it was a bit bizarre uh behavior and then of course like she she celebrated like crazy after the after the shang retirement which like i i get that it was her her first ever wta win the, the biggest win of her of, of her career mm. um but yeah i mean Celebrating after after anybody retires, especially after 
you have sort of played uh, a pretty severe part in, mm. in their retirement from that match. It, it just seemed <laughs> so cartoonishly evil uh, from, from those clips. Uh, it was, yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, the next round, she got absolutely hammered 6-3, 6-1 by the, by the, by the then finalists. But, yeah, but, and I mean... and, and Bindel shouted shouted out Zhang Shui in, in the in the on-court interview afterwards. Uh, uh, talking about what a what a great player she was, so she she really came out there with the with the mission uh, against Toft. Like I think what Toft's done is that she's I mean is that she's learned. learned now I'm going to have a learning lesson from this, which is you know try to you know really be much more reserved and, and compassionate in what you do. Um, I mean to be honest, looking at her ranking and where where it is at the moment, she's around about uh, around about at the moment. I mean a double swing around five hundred, I think. Yeah, it's yeah, four hundred odd, you know, four hundred odd in the world. I mean, I don't suspect she's going to be in one of these events anytime soon. Anytime soon, so she's got a lot of learning to do, a lot of learning to do, and um, she'll be able to go back to the ITF circuit to uh, to, to work on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we have some comments in the in in the comments about the the Toth video being like a like a hostage situation and <laughs> stuff. I think it probably was just like her English wasn't that great, and and she just had a had a statement written by somebody and she read it out. Um, there was also that weird. I, th- I think it was like a Facebook comment or something from the tournament. Uh, where, where they basically defended Toth uh, a bit and um, called like the video that was circulating like Chinese propaganda or, or oh, something yeah. like that. I was and that, that was a bit like, hang on a minute, this is. I mean, that's you know, that's 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 that's, that's, that's almost making it an international incident there between the Hung- <laughs> between the Hungarians and the uh, and the Chinese, which would have been an interesting. Um, uh, interesting battle to have seen take place on uh, in whatever um, political you know point scoring thing that was taking place. Yeah, I mean, I I think you could say Hungarians and most uh, ethnic minorities probably don't get along that well for the most part. Um, yeah, uh, anything else we want to talk about from from Budapest? Um, nothing too much from Budapest. It was a uh, again, it was a pretty. There was nothing barring the toss situation. There was no other, I would say, major stories that which, which took place from there, and, and of course the potential of our finalist. Um, I think the only shot being that Bernardo Pera um, being knocked out um, in the first round to me was, was the biggest shot because, like I said, just this, 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 this is the time of year which is her bread and butter. Um, yeah, you know, she's, she's got a Hamburg title to defend also. Ne- um, uh, this week, um, um, off the back of unfortunately not defending her title here in Hungary um, this week or former week. Yeah, we also have some controversy heading into next week with Veraz uh, Vonareva not being let into the the Warsaw tournament. Hmm. Um, oh yes. Which, yeah, I mean, so, some people called it uh, xenophobic. Some people called for for Warsaw to be to be stripped of the of the event. Uh, but there are other players, other, other Russian players. And, and Belarusian players entered into the event. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was, this, it was... this, I mean, for people, I think people unfortunately misconstrued the tournament, not that they're into immigration forces at the, uh, at the, yeah. the country of origin. This is, this is purely a visa issue by the looks of it, because I read, read into this. My understanding is that she obtained a French visa and was, tra- and, and was, tra- tra- and was traveling into Warsaw. Um, so, so she, she get a French visa, 
I'm um, understanding is that Poland and, and France are both part of the Schengen area. So if you travel into one yeah. country, you can easily travel into the other. No, no problem. Because uh, you don't, nothing will be checked. However, she was flying in from Serbia, which is a non-Schengen country, where she had acquired a French visa. Now, what she did was that instead of, uh, she went straight to Warsaw with that French visa. So, of course, they were going to say, well, we can't let you in. You've not got a Polish visa. You've got a French visa. And what she should have done was, was that she should have flown into France, maybe Paris, got into, got into France that way. Then she's in the Schengen area to then be able to get a flight from Paris over to Warsaw, which would have sorted the situation out. Unfortunately, that's not what she did. And it's just unfortunate that because she's Russian, uh, it then it misconstrued um people to believe this is part of you know uh, you know we know that the 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 the, the, the poles and, and the russians especially because of the uk war really um really you know really been you know, sort of locked horns effectively um on an international diplomatic front um but you know this is nothing to do with the fact that this this this, this competitor is russian it's just that she decided she, in a in a haste forgot to actually you know, to go to France on a French visa before trying to get to Poland and not, not getting a Polish um, visa from the get-go. Yeah, and uh, also she, she she was on a she was on a list of, of undesirables uh, from of, of the Polish uh, Ministry of Interior because uh, in Russia the the club that she plays for is uh, Seska Moscow, mm. which is which is a military club, and and uh, as a result she is essentially a member of the military um so that's that's another reason why 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 they wouldn't let her in but uh mm. I, th I think poland just across the board is not issuing uh visa to, visas to to russians mm. at all but there, were, there was a way around um, it that she, that she should have took and she didn't uh which is unfortunate yeah yeah uh but we still have a, a strong event in, in mm. warsaw of course uh damian is is out there uh, covering it, so so he's going to enjoy himself. You you have Iga Świątek in there. Mm. Uh, you have uh, Karolina Mukova in there as as the second seed. Uh, yeah, who who do you think uh, is the biggest favorite? Is it is it Świątek? Can she get it done this time? I I think you know you'd be you'd be hard pressed to see anyone but Świątek winning this title. Um, in Poland, um, there was no Garcia this time around to actually. Uh, cause any uh any controversies or whatnot has got a great um picture to the side of us here with damien uh or damian already there and, and and looking at the event um i mean the one positive um from this event it now is that of course it last year it was a clay court event whereas this year mm -hmm. they've actually decided the best thing to do is to actually make it a hard court event um because i think a few players you know because it literally was the last week of the that mini clay court swing that this event was taking place on and yeah we know Igor Shiontek's family do run the event and I think Igor probably would have preferred the idea of not going straight from grass to clay to then go back to hard but to actually go straight to a hard court event uh and as such you know they've they've, they've, they've colored it the same markings as the U.S. hard courts in terms of that blue inner and, and and the green outer um so players can start to get used to playing on hard on hard courts um, there and as such, is is actually got is actually managed to pick up quite a strong field. It's got you know um, I say strong field for a two fifty. Uh, you know Sriontek, as we say, is on there. They've got a wild card in for Mukova, which could mean we could get a uh, repeat at the French Open final. You never know. Hopefully um, on the uh, um, on that bit there. Uh, but then also other big players, Camilla Georgi, Linda Fruberteva, uh, Norskova is in there as well. And then from my perspective, from a British angle, it's good to see two Brits in, that have gone to the main draw as well. Uh, with Jody Burridge and also Heather Watson uh, being able to make the, the main talk up for that event as well. Um, and I think it'll just really help the event. It's also pretty good as well from a 
from a perspective of the, and this is something we mentioned at the start of the show when we were talking about Palermo and players getting matches, um, is that you know this year the number of WTA events um, for the build-up towards the US Open are is a lot less than it was the year before. Whereas um, last year, um, next you know going into next week, uh, you had free events. Uh, you had basically free events that were all on the you know last year there were free events. You had Prague that was a hard court, you know thing that were purely hard court events. You had Prague, you had Washington which was a 250, and you had San Jose which was the 500. That then provided a range of competition before then the two WW1000 events, and then there was two WTA250 events the the week between Cincinnati and the US Open. This year they've got rid of. Um, San Jose with the 500 event going to Washington, meaning that there's one less event in that week taking place in North America. Of course, Prague is still there, which is which is good, but it, uh, as a 250 event. But then, you, of course, you've got the two 1,000 events, and then they've got rid of Grant B, which is one of those two 250 events that were that was on the calendar last year, but it isn't this year. And they just have the Tennis in the Land tournament in Cleveland, um, you know, which really restricts. Uh, and 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 it, and it comes back to the usual topic that pops up about the number of events that take place on the women's tour. It really restricts the ability for um, the women players to be able to stay and actually get a lot of matches in because there isn't that many tournaments. So you either, as a top 100 player, try your best to get into qualifying for one of the big events and then maybe get a round or two, or you have to drop down to a W100 event that takes place either somewhere in Europe or in North America where, yes, you'll get the matches in, but the quality of those matches and, uh, and the quality of the opposition you're going to face is a lot less. So it's good to see Warsaw changing to a hardcore event to at least try and counteract that uh, and, to, and to hold the same colour markings as what as the players will, ex- will soon to get to expect once they hit the 1,000 events. Um, but it's just part of a general problem that's, that's facing the WTA when it comes to getting those events in, especially when you look at the men's side of the event, uh, men's side of the coin, where they've got a range of um, events taking place all the way through, a good number uh, for players to get those matches in before heading to the US Open. Yeah, and I mean, I I think it's it's huge for them to to sort of I mean, yeah, the, the tournament is is run by by her family, uh, but to keep Shionta coming back to the event and and to sort of make it fit her fit her schedule, uh, the switch to hardcore makes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I think it's also the reason why it's the strongest of the two fifties that we have this week, uh, on, on, in, in in terms of the field across the board. Uh, but looking at the other ones, we can have a look at Hamburg. We have Donna Vekic as the as the top seed. Maya mm-hmm. Sheriff is the second seed, sort of filled out with the likes of uh, Jasmine Paolini. Bernanda Pera is there. Um, you have Aranj Caruz. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the one thing that saves the one thing that saves this tournament, or at least the Hamburg tournament, is the fact of the. I think the prize money is one of the best ones in available in in, in this in these sort of weeks categories for a two fifty. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Then also the facilities that are available in Hamburg are so much nicer than what will be at the other places. Uh, not only can you be, get yourself a match on one, on, on the centre court there, which has got you know, it's a ten thousand strong centre court with a roof. Um, you know you're going to real feel you're going to get some big match play in there. Um, but also you know it means that any of those clay quarters can really feel as though they're getting, they're getting some good good matches in, and, and, it's a, and, it's a, and it's a historic event Hamburg, uh, and people do want to play it. Yeah, I mean, sort of fading more and more and more uh, into into history, Hamburg. But yeah, it's it's great to to still have to, to still have play out there, of course. Hmm. Um, but yeah, then over in Lausanne, they they lost their top seed, so now the highest seed in, in the tournament is Elisabetta Cocheretto. Hmm. Uh, then you have Anna Bogdan, 
um, Bronzetti is there. In terms of sort of the bigger names, you, you have uh, Corneille in there, you have uh, Sorida Stormo. Mm. So the big thing, uh, of course, in, is the, in, in, in the songs is Mira Andreva uh, is in yeah. the draw. That is uh, that, that is at least the one thing that kind of saves the songs as, a, as, a, as an event is the fact that Mira is going to be there. I mean, I know that um, Mira, I think she's playing later, later today, I think in the next hour or so, I think she's going to go on court. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people that want to watch her. You know, Wimbledon fourth roundist, you know, um, it was the fourth round, wasn't it? She didn't get to the quarters. Uh, okay, yeah, she only got to the fourth round. Um, <clears throat> uh, you know, and, you know, a lot of people will want to watch um, Mira, and, you know, especially looking at this field and how good she plays on clay. I, I fully expect her to be one of the favourites to win the title. And to be honest, I'm quite surprised that she doesn't pick this up as her first title on the uh, uh, on the main tour. Yeah, I mean, it starts against Yastremska, which will be an interesting match for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But after that, she she has Anna Bondar, who she who she should be beating potentially mm-hmm. in the quarterfinals. She has Soribe Stormo maybe looming or or Bronzetti. Um, but yeah, like at at this point, I think I think it's time for for Andreva to to pick up a title and with, with the draw uh, that's that's sort of there uh, in mm-hmm. in Lausanne, this should be a this should be a good chance for her to pick up some hopeful silverware. It's like, uh, you know, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, do you have anything else to, that we want to talk about here? Uh, nothing else I could think I could say to do with these events. Just, just, just that it's glad to, it's good to see a range of 250 events taking place in these couple of weeks spans at the moment, just for those players that um, haven't been able to get too many matches in recently to be able to get those matches matches in. And um, this is very good that you know a lot of these areas are getting these getting these events to actually bring in a lot of you know visitors and, and revenue and whatnot and and, and, and eyesight on, on these on these destinations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's good to have that sort of um, diversity of, of surfaces here. Uh, so yeah, definitely look, look looking forward to to following this upcoming week. Hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and that's all all I can uh, all, all we can say at the moment, just in case. Of looking forward to all these events um, as they as they take as they take place. Yeah, it was great talking to you today. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk maybe next week or or one of these upcoming weeks while I'm doing the show while while Nick is on hiatus. Thanks for everybody watching. Thanks for everybody commenting. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.